It's Window Nation's semi-annual sale, and it's a big deal. Right now, get 50% off all windows along with no interest for five years plus bonus savings when you schedule a consult today. If your windows leak, get foggy or hot, or you're paying high utility bills, that's a big deal. With Window Nation's semi-annual sale, you can replace your windows and save a big deal, too. Schedule a no-obligation in-home estimate now. Call 866-90-NATION or visit windownation.com. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. You're listening to the Go Birds Pod, a Radio.com podcast about your beloved birds. Uh, That beeping sound you heard Sunday night was the beating heart of the Philadelphia Eagles. They rescued their season from life support with a 25-22 comeback win over the New York Giants. Now, despite being down their top five corners, Despite not having Jordan Hicks, and despite falling behind by 16 points, the Eagles rallied behind their running game and took advantage of a Giants team that seemed all too happy to give the game away. With two more division games on deck, can the Eagles keep this going? Or is that just another ho-hum win over a team that just happens to be worse than the Eagles? Welcome to Inside the Birds, presented by Defend Your Head, makers of ProTech Helmet Safety Technology. Jeff Mosher alongside Adam Kaplan, former Eagle, Billy Osborne. A lot of discuss here, fellas. Lots to discuss in the aftermath of Sunday's win and ahead of Monday night's showdown against Washington. So let's get into this right away, Adam. Did the Eagles win this game or did the Giants lose it? It's a million-dollar question. I would say that it was more that the Giants gave the ball the game away. In Pat Shermer, Jeff could say whatever he wants about how they had this built in to put Wayne Gallman in. Very in the important third to get quarter. Wayne Gallman in there, yeah. I mean, look, the <laughs> bottom line is the Eagles had absolutely no way to stop them. Odell Beckham Jr., you know, the first half went just like we thought it would. But to answer your question, I think the Giants gave it away and their their chance to even compete for a wild card is absolutely gone. The Eagles are still ahead. They're still they're still involved. They still could they could still challenge for a wild card and the division. Ozzy, the Eagles kind of have a new lease on life, I guess you could say. Did Doug Peterson stumble upon something new here in, in that game? That's going to carry uh, them going forward. I think the the big key is, as Adam said, is that you know they took what the Giants gave them. Give them credit for that. I mean, the Giants uh-huh. did come out and whatever they saw at halftime, whatever reasons they have, uh, it benefited the Eagles. There was no doubt. And when I looked at the tape, it's like you guys all did. To me, it was more of what the Giants didn't do more so than what the Eagles did do. That being said, I think at the end of the half, them scoring was a big deal. Got them off the snide a little bit. Got the interception right before the half, kind of got him going defensively, put the momentum into the uh, halftime, and they took it from there. So I think you know by 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 no by no stretch did they come out and do anything really different in the second half. But you did see some difference in how they blocked the running game, which I guess we'll talk about. We will, and that's my takeaway. Yes, I agree with both of you. I think we'll learn a lot more about who the Eagles are over the last leg of this season, Monday night when they play the Redskins. But 
I will say this. I do think Doug stumbled upon, and maybe he did it reluctantly, but the realization that he can't run his offense the way he did for the first nine or ten weeks. It just can't be that way and expect what does that all mean? of a sudden well, to be as pass-happy as he was, to be as predictable as he was. He found that Josh Adams can be maybe not a three-down back, but a definitely a two, two-and-a-half down. Like you can use him a lot, and you can lean on your running game to stabilize your erratic offense. He did that. They ran the ball more than passed the ball, and they did it despite being down by 16 all points. Right. That was significant. All right, I have a number on that. Now, th- this has been something that I've been wondering about because Bill's talked about it, how he, th- he thinks they should run more, or at least disguise better. Correct. And it, there's no question about that. So I want to know if they're passing the ball more in the first half or running it. Now, last season, in the first half, they ran the ball 55. They, they passed it 55.1% of the time, ran it 449 Typically... Every team runs passes the ball way more than they run it in the first half. You pass to score the first half, you run to win the second half. Right. Take a guess how much they're passing in the first half. This blew me away. I, I did not. I, that's why I looked it up because I, I was shocked. So you said last year they passed the ball fifty five percent of the time in the first half. Correct. This year you're asking what they're doing in the first half. I probably I would still say fifty three percent. No, doesn't passing it more. Are they, they're passing it more? Way more. I would say I would say it's in the seventies. No, that's no, no. Seventy percent. What is it? Sixty-two point five. They're passing it in the first half. And is that now, that is because they have not? Okay. And the uh, the answer is they haven't had big. They've had. To that's pa- part of it. They've been behind. Yeah. They've been behind in six out of eleven games. They've trailed to so over half the games. They trailed at the first half. Mm-hmm. Uh, last season, uh, they had in nine of the thirteen games that once started, they they led. Now, the one thing that people have not looked at last year, their schedule was great last year. They destroyed the Cardinals, the Niners, mm-hmm. the Bears. The Broncos. the Broncos at home. Great mm-hmm. schedule. Schedule is harder this season. They haven't lived up to it. So so those are the things when I look at the tape study, I see the number study, I, it was stunning to me also at how many leads that they blew this season. Like the the Tampa game, well, the, the, the Tennessee game, then where the defense didn't show up. There's some games, you've been talking about Jim Schwartz. The, the problem with Schwartz is, this season is, in the first half, they're getting behind because they're not making the plays when they're there to be made. And the offense can't pick them up. No one's picking up each other. Last season, the turnovers forced. And the offense would dominate. Everything worked on both sides of the football. And I'll bring this up again. What did the Eagles do very well right now? They do one, They did one thing last week. They ran it really well. And the players, by the way, not the coaches, the players don't keep doing it. So, so you set this up very well, Jeff. Mm-hmm. What are we going to see going forward here? And Bill, we know coaches' tendencies. You're a guy who played... At the highest level in college football pit. You were a personnel guy with the Chiefs. Most people don't know that about Bill. He was with the Chiefs. You also have been a color analyst for pit football. You study football more than most ex-players because you live it. You coach it. You breathe it. You're, you're, you're involved with a helmet company, who's a great sponsor of ours, Defend Your Head. So you know coaches' tendencies. They do what they love to do. So let me, let's set it up for you, and we'll all give our, our opinion on this. Will Doug Peterson, the play car, and the head coach... Will they continue to dominate the run game like they did against the Giants, even though when they were behind? You know, they always say if it. I remember Buddy Ryan said to us one time, "If it walks like a duck, and it <laughs> quacks like a duck, it's not a blank and blanking mongoose." Yeah, I was going to uh, say he didn't say that. <laughs> yes, right? no, that's exactly what he said. <laughs> okay. So I think you know to give Doug's credit, he's had a lot of success doing what he's been doing. So I I think you're going to see some change in his play calling. 
But I think ultimately you're, you're, he still likes to pass the ball, and he's had success with it, so why change? But I don't think that you're going to see him go back to run the ball, but I think he's going to run the ball a little bit more until push comes to shove, then I think he'll go to what he knows. But Bill, you, yes, he's had success in the past, but when it's this has been my problem with Andy Reid, though, though personally I'm a guy who wants to throw the ball a lot. Mm-hmm. When it's not working, try something else. That's the great That's, that's the, the problem point. with these coaches. I get it. The numbers, show, the analytics show you you should be passing way more than you run it. But when your quarterback is not playing, Jeff, at the high level that he's been playing at, don't you change it up? I think if the evidence wasn't in Sunday's game that they need to have a more balanced, more run-heavy offense for now, for now, while they figure things out, then I don't know what, they, what they're missing from what they saw. They were down by 16 points. They came out in the third quarter, tried to pass on their first possession. They punted, came out on their next possession. They had some success and got a field goal through running. They ran the ball, I want to say, three times on nine plays, okay, or eight plays. They got a field goal out of it. Still not good enough. You got to get touchdowns. Then, on their possession after that, he went back to passing. Wentz got sacked two times. Remember that? He got sacked twice. And then finally after that, he came out with an eight-play drive and ran the ball seven times. Times I'm like I'm, a, now, I'm, everybody, I'm every, shocked. Every yeah. guy in the NFL, every passing loving person, say you can't run the ball that much. You can't run the ball that much. Well, they did against a bad defense that gave up a lot of space against the run going into the game, and they ran and got ahead in that by running. Okay, I'm not going to tell you they can run 26 straight times. I'm not going back to 1983. <laughs> what I, I would like them to get to a point where they can pass the ball at 60 percent clip. But you have to be realistic about the situation. Your offensive line is not blowing the defensive line off the ball anymore, in the pa- especially in, in pass blocking. Your quarterback continues, and I saw it on tape in the first quarter, continues to either be erratic or miss open receivers. When those are failing you and you have a guy like Josh Adams, run until you get stable. Try something else. Uh, yeah, and as one of the people that we all know, this quote is, you play to win the game. He's doing you a play great job numbers, to yeah. win the game. This year, so yeah, if the key is to play to win the game, you play with what you do to win the game, and sometimes it causes to run the ball more. That's what you do Co- in that football coaches, game. What Bill's talking about, there's a term that coaches use. We're going to do it with whatever works for that game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it's working, stay with it. Now, last year, when the Eagles had the highest pass run ratio in the league after the first two games, it was 75 pass, 25% run, which is not sustainable. Right. The players went to Doug and said, this can't continue, the players' committee. Doug, listen, ironically, who did they play the next week? The Giants. They they ran the ball over 30 times without the quarterback. I don't even count quarterback runs. I looked it up. I'm like, wow, that'll never happen again. Well, they were actually bounced against the Chargers the next week. Mm-hmm. Then it went to throwing the ball up. But guess what? No matter who they played, Wentz was so phenomenal and off the charts, it didn't seem to matter what they did because he was so great. This is what we're all saying here. When it's not working, Peterson, try something else. This is what doomed Andy Reid. This is why Andy never could win a Super Bowl there. No. His offense is so dynamic, no one's stopping Patrick Mahomes. But what Jeff was talking about, guess what? It's not that they're stopping Carson Wentz. He's not playing well. Right. Was he better last week? Yes. Yeah, was I don't want to. Yeah. He's was not, he as he's good playing, as he was earlier this I'll season? Say no. Consistently. There are, he no. still made some throws against the Giants. As that the were game went tremendous. Yeah. As, yeah. The, you're, as the yeah. running got established, and they, a lot of his great throws. So you throws, think that helped? Oh, a lot of his, his yeah. best throws came off play action. Yep. 
the fourth down play to Nelson Aguilar was not play action, but it was fourth and one, and you see that the linebackers are cheating up because they had ran well all the game. So what does he do? He calls a route, which basically has a crossing route over the middle, and then a deeper route for Nelson Aguilar that takes a lot of that space that you're getting across the middle because guys are looking to the run and cheating up. It takes advantage of it. A lot of uh, Carson's better throws came from play action. Look, people are going to beat you, everybody over the head. And Bill, I... I credit you for saying this because you're, you've always said you're a, a wide receiver, you believe in passing, but all year long you're saying they've got to run the ball more for stabilized offense. It's People only want to talk about the passing teams and how well they do and ignore the fact that the Seattle Seahawks this year have changed their identity. They were a passing team for the last two years. Russell Wilson was getting beat up. They weren't winning games the way they were, so they fixated on fixing the offensive line, bringing in some running backs, and now they run the ball a lot. And guess what, guys? They're winning. So it doesn't have to be, and, I, and I, we love Joe Banner, but Joe's the type of guy to tell you, no, that'll never work, that'll never work, you have to throw like 99% of the time. No, you can actually, if you have good run personnel and you have the right type of people, you can run the ball and set up your pass. I, 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 I get what you're game. saying about Seattle. So when I was with the Seahawks for two days, and I also, also talked to Brian Schottenheimer, they said, look, we're going to play to our identity. We, we, get, we want to get back to Marshall Lynch football. But you also have to take advantage of the receivers that you have. They have Lockett, who's having a great year. Very good player. Uh, David Moore, who's an emerging receiver. Baldwin. Uh, uh, Doug Baldwin, right. So there's a balance. Yeah. But they, you can't, you know, the pass attempts for Russell Wilson is crazy. He's going to average like under 25 a game at the end of this. But the record's only six and five. Let's not let's not get carried away. No, with it. but they were in a point where they were at a crossroads. They had a bad year last year, and it looked like they didn't make any kind of moves that were going to make them that much better in a division where the Rams were clearly getting better, and people thought the Niners with Garoppolo were going to be a lot better. And, and you and Adam, you said it earlier. This is a team game, so they feed off of each other. That's a great that's a great point because I think a lot of the way the Eagles were playing offense or defensively at the last couple games was because they went out in the field and they kept thinking. Are we ever going to score? Every time we come off the field, we get we go right back on. It's three and out, and that does tell you in the locker room it does start getting a little chippy in there when mm-hmm. the teams aren't playing. You start looking at you, you're like, "Come on, guys, let's go help us out a little bit." It doesn't start that way. And here's what the thing that people have to realize: that running the ball will help the offense, and it will help Carson, and it will help that offensive line. There's no doubt about it, but it will also help their defense because the defense is banged up. Those DBs, I talked to a player personnel guy, that, you know, today. And he told me, he goes, those guys shouldn't even be playing. That's basically what he told me. He said, those guys, that what Schwartz has on the field right now, those guys should not even be playing. The three corners that were the, played the dominant snaps, they only had dressed four. All three would not be on the football team had the other guys gotten hurt. That's correct. Bosby? Bosby, LeBlanc, and Sullivan. Unbelievable. The law firm, right. They're None would be on the football team. That's crazy. So, as Bill was saying, look. <laughs> but I, I, I want to give the coaches credit, though. Uh-huh. As much as we've beaten them up a little bit, and obviously the players, they, they were the ones who were playing. But for Schwartz to adjust in the second half like they did, the tackling was much better. Uh, Bradham was awful for a while in the first half. Then he got himself together. And he's not a middle linebacker. He's had to do it before. Uh, it's all about adjusting and on the fly because you have to see what the teams are trying to do to you. Uh, but we, we would all agree Pat Sherman did not do a very good job. Pat could get all defensive. I love Pat personally. Yeah. Good guy. He, he was starting to see that top three pick whittle away. And he I said, mean, oh, wait, wait, what are we doing here? <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, <laughs> they gave the game away. They did. You know, before we move on to the next subject, that being at the, you and I were at the game, yeah. being at the game, I, I, I remember going to Twitter, I, for the life of me, why he went away from Barkley. And I know the Eagles dominated time possession in the second half after getting dominated in the first half. True. They could not stop Barkley for their life. No. He, he the numbers are crazy for two games. Really, for the first six quarters against the Eagles, they were dominant. So um, Pat's got to reevaluate what he does with Barkley. But 
The Eagles escaped, okay? The Eagles escaped somehow. I thought for sure they were dead. I saw two Eagles executives in the hallway at halftime. They're shaking their heads like, oh my God. <laughs> but they came back. The I still stat, can't believe it. The stat is that 16 minutes and 35 seconds passed between Saquon Barkley's last touch of the third quarter and first touch of the fourth quarter. 16 and a half is minutes. right? More Jeez. than a quarter of football was played without Saquon Barkley touching. And that touching. first touch was a flare pass to the outside when he had to catch the ball and he basically had nowhere to go. And he basically correct. ran out of bounds. It was a four-yard game. Yeah, he right. basically had to get out of bounds. So it was a nothing. It wasn't even off tackle. It wasn't even a running game. Remember when you talked about this? I said, that that guy, when we get into the whole thing about the draft and stuff, the Eagles, when you look at their offense, really nobody, when you step out, you got to find them. Maybe Ertz, of course Carson. But right now, nobody, when they, when they break the huddle and you say, where's he at? Where's he at? When the Giants break the huddle, you are looking for a couple guys, and one of them is number 26. No doubt. And they gave the Eagles a big-time break when they were not having him break the huddle. Yeah. And for, all, for the life of me, I had no idea, but give the Eagles credit. As we all said, we pounded them before. Coaches did what they had to do. Players did what they had to do. And that's what happens in the National Football League. It can change like that. And I think that play before the end of the half with the interception – along with the drive that they got scored, really set them up for the second half coming out, and they got some things going with them for the first uh, first series, and next thing you know, they capitalized on it. Absolutely. That Saquon Barkley is going to be a great player. By the way, remind me where he went to school. I just I forgot for a second. Uh, we, are, we are someplace. Yeah, Penn State. Penn State. Yes. Valley is yes. what they call it. Yeah. Just making sure everybody remembered. Yeah. I want to talk about the, the running backs, though, that we're going to focus on going forward because two things stuck out to me about the game for the Eagles, right? One, Obviously, we'll talk about Josh Adams, but before we even get to Josh, I've been saying this for a couple of weeks now. I said the Eagles are not going to – I can't see this year just ending without Corey Clement re-emerging in some kind of significant role. He had a big run, a 32-yard run. He had a big screen catch that was 26 yards on the drive where everything Something else, else they've been run. missing is a screen game. I yep. saw bursts from him that I haven't seen for a while. Now, I don't think he's been injured like the last two or three weeks. It was earlier in the year. I would act, Jeff, I actually ran that by someone. Uh-huh. Um, although he had not been on the injury report, one person who would know okay. said, I still think the quadriceps is an issue. I know that he's not talking about it. Just when they would evaluate him from practice tape and everything else, might not just have been himself, so okay. go ahead. I just but, that, wanted... but that would factor into, even if he yeah. was like 95%, if he was a little bit of It didn't make sense that Corey Clement had suddenly become a very mediocre totally pedestrian agree. running back. And if you Wasn't watch, even being used. Right, he was third string, Jeff. Right. Watching that game made me think he might be back to be able to be that compliment to Adams going forward. Did you see that? Yeah, absolutely. And we've talked about it before. There was a guy that gave a lot of spark. He was a team player. He did everything. He was great special teams. And that, that run you're talking about was tremendously blocked up front. Oh, they caught Jason the Giants Peters with the tackle. Track. Yes, they caught the Giants in a somewhat of a of a what you call a, a zone blitz, yeah. and they got them at the line of scrimmage. So once you get past that first level, there's nobody in the second level. They got perfect play call, perfect trap by Peters, and he was off to the races. And the next guy that he had to really beat was the free safety. Right, and credit Doug by the way because we have not. I've seen some lane traps. That was the maybe the just the second or third time this year that I've seen. Peters be the lead pull on an inside zone. Yep. Great great play call, perfect time, and, and, and Corey hit that trap perfectly, great timing, and he's up to the second level. When you run a running play and the first guy you have to go after, make a tackle and make a guy miss is the free safety, mission accomplished. All right, so we saw Josh Adams, and the big thing that stuck out to me is that for a guy who's 230 pounds, he's a very patient runner. He, You know, a lot of big guys tend to just get the ball and go to the hole because they know they can get themselves 3-5 to five just by forward momentum he sets up, I actually spoke to Lane Johnson and, Pete, and Jason Peters after the game, and I asked them specifically about his patience. And Lane said, it's really nice to have a guy who's that smart and that patient even at that size because 
it lets the offensive linemen set their blocks and get their momentum going, which enables them to create the space. And he doesn't need a lot of space. This guy can really – he has very good run instincts. Yeah, he gets skinny inside the hole a lot term. of times and because he, he, for a big wide guy, you don't think that, but he knows how to get in the hole and get off blocks and be able to rip through arm tackles. Thing about him is, you know, if you guys think about this, when we were growing up, it was always hit the hole hard, get the ball, hit, don't, no hesitation, guys, hit that ball, hard. get it, hit it hard. Nowadays, the running styles seem to be, hey, let the play develop, be smart about it. And of the course, the, Bell I was going to say, there's a guy in Pittsburgh yeah. <laughs> that really, you know, really did a great, great job with that, and has really been the, uh, I guess, the poster boy for that type of running. But Josh is patient, does a great job, does a nice job looking and seeing and hitting the hole. Is he a three-down running back? Adam? No, no, I agree four- with you. No, no, he, he, I, I, I'm not sure. Well, can I just say I don't know yet. I don't know yet. I, I, I expect for this every team. To see, see I think this team and why Clement was so important last year. He did everything. Yes, jack of all trades, special teams coverage, third down, red zone. The special, some of the plays that Clement made last year, and obviously the Super Bowl, which is like, will go down in history one of the best plays in the Super Bowl. Uh, but he does everything. They need that type of back. Now Adams is deceptive in the past game. As Jeff was talking about how. Patient is a runner. He on screens, or when they throw him the football, the rare the rarity that they do. He's actually patient. He'll wait for his blockers to get up there. I, I still think if they're going to go with him next year, and we're, I know we're not really talking about next year, but if they're going to keep going with him going forward, which all indications are that they ha- will, because they've been doing it for the last month, really heavy next week, they still have to get something out of the screen game, and it's going to be Clement. Now, could Wendell Smallwood get reemerged? I, right, here's another question: well, so Are they I just going to go with two think, backs? Now? I think if Corey. Is reemerge to the point where he is as if effective as he was against the Giants. Then you basically you've got what you need. You've Just got Adams for your inside zones and yeah. your power running. You've got Clement for your outside zone and your and your and your screen game. And if you want to pop Wendell in, just you know occasionally and maybe you know I, I, who knows if Darren Sproles can come back soon. It's probably not going to be in the next two or three weeks, but maybe you get him back. I don't know. I would only use Wendell Smallwood at this point as a real like change of pace trick because he's, he was not very good at pass protection. He was he was doing his job as a runner when the lane was open, but I mean Adams makes people miss. He bowls people over and Clement has as sure-handed out of the backfield. It's as working, Jeff, it's working. So uh, this so, might uh, be exactly yeah. what they need at just and, the right and, time. And when you look at this matchup, okay? When you look at this matchup, the Redskins over the last 4 weeks are giving up f- over 5 yards per carry. Mm-hmm. That's a lot to running back to running backs only. I'm I'm only looking at that position. Uh, this is a good matchup for the Eagles. This is the right time to play them. They got absolutely destroyed by the Cowboys last week. Their defense is their defense is not playing well. Their secondary has not been good all season. Mm-hmm. Um, so, the, the, look, the, I'm not saying the Eagles are going to go on a run here, but at least this matchup coming is just as good, if not better, than last week's, which would probably surprise, surprise some people. The, the offense still. I mean, we all thought that if they had a more uh, run balanced offense, then it would help take the pressure off Carson Wentz, and you would start to see maybe a little bit more offensive production, and yet still just twenty five points. What was your takeaway from why the offense was not more explosive? I think it starts in the, right in the beginning. For whatever reason, we talked about this when they are adjusting and they're looking at their plays for that week, and they put in their ten player. We call their scripted play. Sometimes it's ten, sometimes it's twelve. Could be as much as fifteen. It, it just is not working this year, and I don't know what it is. I mean, we could talk about the coaches. We can talk about the scheme, whatever it might be, but I think it starts there. Mm-hmm. They had to do a better job starting the game, 
like they did last year. Because when you get ahead, that plays, everything else plays off of that. And the other thing that would happen, I think, a lot is that they get behind the sticks. They get a penalty. They get a lost yards. Now you're second and 12, and you really can't run the ball because right. you know that, that's the percentage in the NFL. You got to you got to sling it. Mm-hmm. Defense knows that. And next thing you know, you're three and out. And it's just, I think they have to do a better that's, job. There's some predictability. The yeah. predictability. Carson missed that's, Golden Tate wide on the throw. Um, there was another, and I won't fault him. One drive ended. On an incomplete, I'm sorry, a complete pass to Alshon Jeffrey that was called offensive pass interference. Terrible that was the call. second drive of the game. That was a bad call. They could score on that drive if that is just not called. But there were bad calls on both sides. I thought he took a, the first sack Carson took was really bad, guys. I mean, it was third and fifteen, and there was it was basically three receivers. They were covered against the quarters, and then you had you uh, you had Clement leak out to the left. And Ertz leak out to the right, and there was nobody within ten miles of him. He's and always Carson looking downfield. Would it? He actually took a sack instead, which you know, with him and his fumbling problem, Told instead you, of just taking the five yards and saying, I, "Well, punt." I don't know what what it is from a coach's standpoint, but it's the one thing about Wentz. Despite how brilliant he was last season, probably the NFL's MVP, his refusal to check down. I love that he's a risk taker. I love that. I look. I love that he's willing to make any throw. He's not worried about what the defense is doing to him. But take what they're giving you. That's your job as a quarterback. And he does cost them some yardage and points, I think, occasionally. But certainly. And he's got to take a look at himself. There. That's on him. And how, I think does, seeing... how does that work, Bill? What does that say about a guy who we have talked about week after week after week, not taking that check down when it's there, not seeing that open receiver? Those have to be discussions that take place on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, right, with your position coach, with your head coach in the film room, to, to just not be able – to then par- take that back out onto the field, does that mean he's not being coached well? He's not receptive to the coaching? It's a little bit of both? Well, I think some, uh, like I said, I talked to a guy who's been a longtime NFL uh, executive and scout, and he told me today is that you know, people are forgetting because he started back so well that he's still coming off an injury. That's and he correct. says a lot of people in the league feel that you know he played kind of way past what they thought he was going to do in the beginning, and it kind of set the bar so high that people thought and they forgot that he had as an ACL. And I think what we're seeing now is from what they say is that, you know, he still is going to be a guy that's not going to play where he was last year. He can't. That's what, they, that's what they're saying. So I'm, I'm taking it from a professional's advice. And I think that early on he came back, he had so much success, and I just – I had problem with it. I just think they were relying too much on him. He was taking too many hits. I think he came back to earth a little bit, and I think now he's pressing. And you hear Coach Peterson, he doesn't, he doesn't ever throw him under the bus, Adam, but he does say, you know, I wish, you know, we want, him, we want him to be patient. We want him to take what the defense gives him. And that, to me, is like a signal for saying he's not doing what he's supposed to be doing. He's, he's forcing the ball at Try times. That would play yeah. down, yes. That would play down to the checkdowns. Take what they're giving you. If it's a third and ten, and you've got Coy Clement to your right and no one's covering him, take the, get the first down. Move the sticks. Okay, unless you've got a guy deep downfield, wide open, don't do it. Yeah. Okay. You, what, what, you're having trouble scoring here. Move the football. What was troubling to me about the first sack in particular is, and I think we've seen instances this year where Carson was trying to make the play. Right. He didn't. He ignored the check down like Wendell Smallwood uh, against who was it? Uh, Panthers maybe to try to get the ball to Alshon Jeffrey in a tight window and it gets broken up. In on this particular play, it's third and fifteen, and the Giants drop pretty much everybody. There's no play to be made. You only have three receivers, and you got seven D-backs out there smothering him. Holding on to the ball in that case was not going to help him make 
a play, and he's got to know that his offensive line has struggled. At that point, you just got to see that there's no play to be made. That you, even you, the greatest quarterbacks are not going to be able to get a play there unless they've got 20 seconds to throw the ball. Well, a veteran will say, you know what? I've done this now for 10 years. I realize that when I do this, it, bad things happen. A young guy thinks about what he did in college. He still has all this thoughts that I was always a be a hero. I can outrun guys. I can outthrow guys. I can make things happen. And his instinct is to force the ball and try and make things happen. Whereas the veteran will just say, you know what? We'll live to see another we'll day. I'm just going to check day. it down. So that will come with experience. There's no doubt about it. Also, when you look at the play calling and you look at the play design, I saw so many plays where up high, there was nobody running free. The, the defense either knows what they're running or they do a good job, and we just don't do a good job scheming them. I think there's a combination of that, too. The play design is not really you notice, the same as last year. You guys notice whenever they throw the ball to Golden Tate, specifically in a short yardage situation, he's swarmed by two. I know, they're like right they on it, man. know it every time. The, 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 the play that they should be running, it's the old Steve Smith smoke play, which is... You know, it's a cold run play, but by sight adjustment, if you if the DB's off, you throw it. Right. Like the quarterback and the receiver know exactly what the yeah, sight adjustment is. The play is. that te- people continuously run against the Eagles when Jalen Smoke Mills is, is the yeah. easiest one to yeah. complete because if the guy's seven or eight years off, you throw it to who, who, whoever's the outside receiver. Sure. Whether it's Jeffrey or, or whoever it is, yeah. or if, if you're lining Golden Tate outside, they've got to take advantage of, you know, Bill's talking about it seems like downfield, it's why they're not getting the downfield plays. Because the defenses know where you're going to go here. They need someone other than Ertz, and Ertz reemerged big time last week. They need someone else besides Ertz and Jeffrey to do something. And ho- and we hmm. thought, How many times have we said that this year? We thought it was going to be Gold Tate. Now, I know he's new. Uh-huh. And this is where the coaches have to do a better job. Figure the blank out. Figure it out a way for him to be impactful. I know they're learning him on the run here. It's very challenging. It's, it's way harder, by the way. Do this with a receiver than a running back. Yeah. You're banned Ajay from was saying a challenge. Blank, by the way, what's that? You're, you're well, I don't want to say. You know, I don't want to put a bad curse. curse. Okay, no, I did last week. Well, let's go. Yeah, it's a my good, mom it's a good like trend. Your yeah. mom, all right. Well, uh, Mrs. Kaplan, please, yeah. Miss Mama Kaplan, you want to call her Florence? Yes, uh, Florence. Florence, I love it. I love Florence, it. please excuse your son. He's just you know very uh, passionate about what he speaks. Now, Ozzy brought up a great point on our last po- either on the podcast or the radio show. He said, "Go look at Golden Tate's career splits, outdoors." Versus indoors, because as a receiver, Ozzy, you said, you know, playing outside, you know, it's a little bit different than playing yeah, indoors. Yeah, I just, I thought, I saw it and I kept thinking to myself, wow, where's where this guy that we've saw at Detroit? And mm-hmm. I just know from my own personal experience, when I played on turf, I felt quicker. Now, so was everybody else. Sure. But my own <laughs> mental thought was that I felt quicker. I felt, you know, I felt in space. I could get away. I felt like I could come out More of my confident. breaks. Right. Because with grass, you know, it, it, you have these long cleats and you're, you're striding, you're trying to dig in. He just does not seem to be able to, the spacing when he gets open, coming out of breaks, or when he gets the ball, big people miss as much. And I just saw it. It just seems to me like right now he's played on grass. I think he's a different guy on turf. They've got to get him, Bill, one-on-one. Because yeah. that's where you get the run after the catch, because yep. you use your elbow, you get physical. A runner, yep. But as you guys are saying, they're, they're right up on him. It, it, it's, it's a really good point. Yeah. And, and by it, the way, real I don't quick understand to that point, yeah. I lo- yeah. I, we did look it up. It's about a 25-yard per game differential. Outdoors versus inside Is a dome. Right? Yeah, I think it was something like sixty-three to forty. Maybe not twenty-five. Maybe fifteen to twenty. But it was like sixty-three to forty. But I would like me. to know because all I think just about every indoor stadium has field turf. They're not going to use grass. Is there any? Is there any? Well, that's what he's saying. He's that's saying, what I'm saying. saying yeah, indoors, yeah, yeah, yeah. in a dome, yeah. he's got about twenty. Yeah, yeah. Something about fifteen to but twenty. But field more turf. Yards look, there are plenty outside in field turf. But the fact of the matter so, is, right. bottom line, with with it is it hasn't worked yet. They need it to work because they badly need more passing targets and, and options. They Grow and Peterson have to do a better job of, of getting more guys involved and scheming up. 
How about some jet sweeps? Bill, Bill made a great point. Bill's and been I, talking about the lack of motion you know, in this offense for Like, a while. if you're going to go empty, Bill, Bill made the best point probably anyone has made about this stuff, about disguise. They're, you're telling the defense what you're going to do. You're going to throw the football. Right. We're the jet sweeps with the ghost motion. Do something, man. They, like, Doug, they caught up to you. Do something more. What is, this is what doomed Chip Kelly. Right. Chip Kelly had nothing. He's like, okay, you beat our tempo. We've got nothing. As uh, Evan Mathis told us, that's what doomed in Chip Kelly. I'm not saying Doug's doomed. No, you just don't want him to walk the same path. You got to do something else, man. Right. Try. Where's the college this concepts, guy, man? This guy made his reputation last year at the end of the year oh. on figuring it the f out. Is and they what you're could. And, and, and guess what? They couldn't figure him out last year. Right now, now it's almost remedial here. And, and we always saw with the motion and everything, the jet sweep helping the quarterback. There's no doubt, and it helps you sight adjust as a wide receiver. But really what I like to see it to help the offensive line because they're the ones that it starts with. And when you tell the offensive line and the def- or the defensive line that you're not running the football, there's, they get paid a lot of money. There's a, I don't care if you're the worst team in the national football, you have pass rushers. Yeah. They pin their ears back. They're not worrying about gap contain, and they just rush upfield, and it just drives offensive line crazy because they cannot get it. Yeah, but, they, but then that's when you throw a screen. That's exactly yeah. right. Okay, screen, that, counter, worse, draw. Yeah, yeah. You don't need to run it there. What you need to do is disguise – they're not. This is not from a schematic standpoint or visual standpoint. This offense is regressed so badly, and they could use any excuse about penalties, drop passes, whatever. The def- the schedule is harder. Than- yeah, okay, that's fine. But I haven't talked to a team yet who's faced Eagles who's watched and said, "Boy, I'm really concerned." Like they were last year, where they had no idea what was going to happen. They could not catch up. I told you, but the Cowboys told me mm-hmm. they thought they figured out the RPOs. Got to do something different. No doubt. All right, let's get into our injury segment, uh, presented, of course, by Defend Your Head. Our sponsors, uh, look, there's too many guys, and right now there's too much uncertainty. So I wanted to get into a guy that we knew came back from an injury and I thought held up fairly well. We talked about him last week, Tim Jernigan. He gave them 20, I believe it was 20 snaps, much needed, uh, a big boost to their defensive line. I thought the defensive line played fairly well other than trying to tackle uh, Saquon Barkley, which is really more on the linebacker secondary level. But oh, yeah. <laughs> came through. You know, Chris Long got a sack. Bennett get, got a sack. But I think this is like the proving ground for Tim. He made it through the first game, and we'll have to see how his back kind of responds from sure. that. But I thought it was a pretty positive debut. Yeah, and then when you look at this week, guess who they're facing? A Redskin team that has two guards off the street. They lost two guards for the season. This matchup is very good for Jernigan Cox. Mm-hmm. I thought Jernigan had good energy. When you get back a starting defensive tackle that helps your rotation, it, they're not as gassed in the fourth quarter. This should be, over the last five games, really help their defensive line rotation because not you don't have to have so many guys playing. At, in the first half, you could rest guys. Because that was the problem, I think, also. We haven't talked about this a lot. Without Jernigan, and because Anata's, he, Anata's had all, so many different injuries, the defensive line rotation is not what it was last year mm-hmm. because of injury. Now getting guys back going to help. I, I do. I, I honestly think it's a. It's right now for the Eagles. It's one game at a time. To, they'll probably get somebody back in the secondary. We don't know who quite yet. You know, it might be Jalen Mills. Might not. Doesn't sound like it'll be City Jones. Might be Russell Douglas, who was able to play two snaps against the Giants in an emergency situation. But they'll get maybe one guy back. Maybe Maddox, right? And then they'll also be able to get back Tim Jernigan. That you assume he'll play a few more snaps. And then Corey Clements just reemergence. I feel like this comes at a good. T- this Monday night game is huge, but specifically because the Eagles are getting a little bit healthier, and then their opponents, like the Washington, they're not. They've got injuries all over the place. Yeah, and this is a you know 
what I tried to, when I looked at the film, I just tried to think to myself that, okay, this is a team who were getting crushed at halftime, basically where a really big call from a, a coach and a fingertip from actually losing this football game. Mm-hmm. And w- where would this be? Where would this team be? And how? So it's not, you know, they won, so that does fix a lot of things, but they still have a long way to go, as we've been talking about. So they need to take the things that they have. The guys are coming back. Hopefully it'll give them, a, 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 you know, a, I guess a little bit of a burst, a little bit of energy spot. And then also the fact that you're playing Washington, who's banged up, not very good against the run. Use those things going in because you're not going to fix everything in one week. That's right. the case. And keep in mind, this team was, like I said, one play from being on the losing side of this ledger in this game. Absolutely. All right, fortunately, no eagle left with a concussion, right? Did you know that every year in the United States there are more than 3.8 million sports-related concussions and that most of these injuries occur? How many? In children and young adults, 3.8 million sports-related concussions every year. Hmm. Defend Your Head, our sponsors, are leading a revolution in head protection with their soft-shell technology product called ProTech. Protec is a protective helmet shell made from specialized polyurethane foam that absorbs and dissipates the energy caused by a hit to the Protec cover. Protec is scientifically proven to reduce G-force impacts by up to 70%. For more information about the Protec helmet shell used by Penn State, Temple, and Penn football programs or to place an order for your Protec, email info at defendyourhead.com or visit their website, defendyourhead.com. Com. Very nice read. Uh, great job. And um, there's a really nice article that came out today from my old high school's team down in South Jersey who used the ProTech to not have a concussion all seasons. There was an article while we'll probably post it online. My friend. Name the school. Wild, it's called the Wildwood Junior Warriors. Okay. So we'll, I'll give, give you guys a link and we'll post it so you'll see it. Just a really nice article, but it was a great job by the um, the guys who used the ProTech this season. So Awesome. Yep. Great stuff. All right, we're going to get into a little bit of the Redskins game here um, as we, we were, but I also want to uh, go to our Ask the Insider section because uh, we had a couple of people reach out to us on Twitter and uh, had a question for us. So let me uh, get... Also sponsored by our friends at Defend Your Head. Also sponsored by our friends at Defend Your Head. That's correct. The question comes from Dimitri Borandanis. Okay. Nice and way to... His, good job. Uh, by I hope pronounce. I got that correct. That's pretty good. Even with the he's accent. From Aust- he's from Australia. So really? I tried to you know get the accent oh, in nice. there a little bit. Nice. And his question is, why do you think the receivers aren't getting open as much as they did last year? Is it more of a coaching scheme problem or a Carson Wentz problem. Love the show, guys. Listen on the way home from work here in Melbourne, Australia. Man, nice. All right, well, Dimitri, put a little shrimp on the bobby for us, and we'll, uh, like that. we'll, we'll talk about this. Ozzy, I'm going to defer to you on why you think the receivers aren't getting op- uh, open as much as last year. Um, I think they, they had the problems last year, but I think that they ran so well. They were, you know, Carson was playing such a high level. I think they were running the ball effectively, too. I think that it just looked like the receivers were, were getting more wide open. I think that they were less predictable. And mm-hmm. to me, that plays a lot into it because the spacing, when they come out of their breaks, they seem to always have guys right there. So I think they're playing as well. I just think it has to do with the play calling and the fact that they're also being defensed a lot different because of their predictability. I do agree that it goes back to kind of Doug and play. This team has, ne- even last year, never had great man beaters. You know, Alshon Jeffrey is not explosive. He makes plays with his body, with his athleticism. Uh, same thing with Zach Ertz. Not the most. He's probably not more athletic than Travis Kelsey. His, his right? actual yards per catch is down because yeah, he has more catches. So but, many catches, right? right. Um, but you know they don't have Torrey Smith this year. They bring in Golden Tate because they're looking for a man beater. But I mean, in general, last year they were so balanced and had such a good running game that was so diverse that they kept people guessing all the time, and that guesswork allowed the receivers to find openings. the secret last year was that 
they were up almost every game. There were only three games where they were not up the half. It's because mm-hmm. they came out throwing, as they always did. Yep. Um, they were 55% pass in the first half. They got up. They took advantage of the schedule. But I think we would all agree the play calling was better last season for whatever. They, I also think they got more adjust. chunk runs. They didn't run a whole lot at times, but they got more chunk runs. We could see, I could see Blunt still running against the Chargers. Oh I could my still gosh, into yeah. our living room. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Clement was a bigger, much bigger factor. Uh-huh. Again, they were so far ahead of everyone because they didn't defenses di- defenses did not. You know, I remember talking to the Eagles last year about this, and one person said to me, he "Goes, you know, we've been running RPOs all season. The media didn't ca- media had no idea what it was. Right? It wasn't Chip's offense. It's our own version of pass run. Mm-hmm. You know, where the quarterback would either decide whether they're going to run or pass it, take it out of the, the running back's stomach and pass it or whatever. It it they defense just could not defend it. They still didn't defend it. The Atlanta game, the playoffs, I thought." They kind of controlled it. Atlanta uh, did a good job. They almost pulled that game off. Yeah. But you saw the next week. Minnesota, I'm going to talk to Mike Zimmer about this at training camp for, for a brief second. He said, look, they looked at it. They looked at what the Eagles were doing. Mm-hmm. They wanted to see what they were doing. Obviously, they asked the coach they brought in from Philly, Filippo. I'm sure they, <laughs> they talked about it. But overall this season, something has happened here where, as Bill's brought up seemingly every week, they're predictable. It's not about pass run. What are you doing to fool the defense? Formation standpoint. Yeah, formation variation. What are you doing? You're not doing it. All right, Carl Stevenson at Idle Prof asks, will we see any deep passes plus 20 yards in the Skins game? Do they need to loosen up the defense? Wouldn't it make the run game more efficient? I kind of think it's the opposite. If they run the ball a little bit better and more, they can open up the deep passes. Yeah. Yeah. But I think no matter what, you'll see a few. But they certainly haven't had as many as they had last year. Yeah, and the majority of their plays in, in the passing game is out of shotgun. They very rarely go under center. And, you know, I, I like it under center. I think Carson is effective under center. I think he feels confident under center. Uh, gives them a whole different dimension. But, um, you know, I, they, they, de- they do need to take chunks down the field. There's no – we've talked about it. You know, you can't always dink and dunk your way in the National Football League. It is about explosive plays, so they got to go up top but they need to run the ball first. When's the last time you saw a play-action deep, maybe fade or go-route to Alshon Jeffrey, where he's got one-on-one and you either back-shoulder him or the Cowboys, didn't they? Well, that was down the middle of the field. They went play-action and they hit the— They did one against Tennessee to Aguilar. They tried— Ten weeks ago I know. They tried against (laughs) the Saints. Right. It was double cover. But I'm specifically talking about Nelson because that's an area— Not Nelson, Alshon, because that's an area— where, he'll go get it. He, yeah, he'll he'll get physically it. go get it. Yeah. But they believe, talking to the Eagles about this, they still believe Aguilar is the best guy. Like, he tests really well. Like, his straight line speed is still in the four fours. Whatever they thought they were dra- getting in the draft, he still can do that. But I think we're all talking about you got a scheme to get this guy open. What? You know, it's crazy. This Like, Grow and, and Reich were involved in the third down offense. They did a great job. My understanding, I was talking to someone this week about it. That was their part of it, okay? You know, Mike Mike is obviously, he doesn't call the plays, but he's heavily involved in it. Doug has final say here. Doug has got to take responsibility for this. What aren't you doing to get these guys open downfield? You don't need to have a guy runs in the four threes. It's about schematics, man. Sure. That's why I brought out a guy like Alshon, because you don't necessarily even need to scheme him open. You just need to throw him the ball down the field and let his Or take a chance and let him go get it. Okay. Yeah. And, and that fourth and one right. play was a great example. That was a tremendously designed play. Really Two was. shallow crosses that crisscrossed. A deep dig to hold the safety over top, and then you found a middle read uh, with an option route. I didn't see that all season. And then he had two flares. Wide, two I mean, flares that was a great call, Bill. Bill and this the is play the, they ran, I believe, frequent, not frequently, but last year. And I think it might have been the play that sprung Aguilar for the first down when Nick Foles came in 
to replace Carson Wentz after the ACL tear against the Rams. It had, I believe, it might be similar to that. I, yeah, they had one on big that. play to ice the game. Well, yeah, it was an eight-yard catch. Yeah. It was over the middle to Aguilar. Correct. But I think but that was the thing. Today's NFL is about spacing. How mm-hmm. could you create space by design? Uh, deception is what they call it. All you have to do is watch Sean McVay call plays. And not to take anything away from Jared Goff, he's had a great year. Mm-hmm. It is unbelievable how open these guys are. Unbelievable. And by yeah. the way, last year, look at how wide open Aguilar was. Aguilar. Who had a great season. Okay, right. he he had a breakout season. And, and, and Gro did a great job coaching him. I'm sure that's part of it. But Doug is a play caller and play design. It's all about getting guys open. And they're not doing a good jo- enough job to space these guys out. Right. All right. Before we get out of here, w- let's save our predictions for the, the radio. Because we always do predictions here and then we change it a little bit on the radio or whatever. But let's just talk about the Redskins game real quick as far as what the Eagles need to do. So give me one thing on what the Eagles need to do to win the game. Adam. I, I as much as it pains me to say it because I don't like running the ball at all, but I think you could help. You need to help your quarterback because if if this was the once of last year, throw it seventy five percent of the time because mm-hmm. he was special. Sure. You can't stop him because it's not working as well. And Carson clearly is not as comfortable as he was earlier in the season. I would go with what works. It worked last week, and and, and over their last four weeks, the Redskins are giving up five point zero one yards per carry. Uh, they're also giving up, and the screen game is very important here. About over six catches per game. Over nine yards per catch to running backs. So certainly when you run it, you should have success. Mm-hmm. Stay with it. I'll agree. I know you guys like that. But they're getting torched in the pass game. Over the last four weeks, they're giving up over 14 receptions per game. Over 15 yards per catch, worse than the National Football League against the wide receiver position. They're giving up a 67% catch rate to wide receivers. They're not giving much against the tight ends. So the Eagles, theoretically, guys, no matter what they really do here, if they stay committed to it, whatever they try to do, scheme and design well, they should have success whether they pass or run it. Ozzy. I think they need to uh, – it starts with the play design and the play call, and I think that their scripted plays, they got to do a better job than they have recently. They got to come out and they have to score on that first series to get the guys really feeling positive to get them – and to get the defense jazzed up too. So I think they need to have, have success in their scripted plays and defensively, be smart like you did in that second half last week. Don't you know? I, I, whoever the quarterback is going to be new. I think you should bring pressure. Paul There's McCoy. no doubt yep. about it. Yep. All right. I think you bring pressure with that guy. He's a young guy. He hasn't. I think his first snap was the first time in two years. He hasn't yes. taken a snap in a National Football yeah, League. He's not young, but he's right. been around. But he, hasn't yeah, he just has much. experience. So right. bring some pressure, but don't do it at the expense of, of getting beat over top. Make sure you have some safety help. All right, my thing is that Washington's front seven has some really athletic players, especially in the middle. They've got Deron Payne, who's a first-round pick. They've got Jonathan Allen, who's a very good first-round pick. And Ryan Kerrigan, we've seen wreak havoc on this team for years and years and years. I think they do have to lean hard on Josh Adams, but I absolutely think tacking on the outsides is going to be important for them, making those corners tackle, making those outside guys tackle more so than the inside guys. So, as I said before, I think Corey Clement needs to have an important role in this game as a complementary piece to Josh Adams because I don't think the inside zone is going to be as effective against Washington as it was they against do have a, a bad Giants. Really defense. good front. Uh, Jim Tom Sola, D line coach, is f- off the hook. Very good coach. Great. It may argue the NFL's best D line coach. Whoa, but whoa, 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 son. Rod Marinelli on line one. I get it, but he, <laughs> Tom Sola was actually the NFL's highest paid O line coach for years. Right. Uh, but 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 just to end this conversation. This matchup, based on the way the Redskins are playing defense lately, they're giving up big play after big play. Haha, Clinton Dix. There's, folks, there's a reason why the Packers want to get rid of him. Okay? Yeah. He's not that good. Okay? 
Having, uh, having a rough year. Yeah, he definitely he, was. He, I liked him the first few years. I don't know what happened. Keep, but he, keep throwing. Yeah. Keep, keep, keep throwing. Open it up. Attack. Have a run yeah. to th- run but, the pass. But F off play action, which should work better with Josh Adams. I think you're all right. Uh-huh. Josh Adams, ride him throughout the game. He If this game is close, if he has less than 10 carries, Doug should quit. I agree. Final word goes to Ozzie. Just don't have to say, because Adam talked about it earlier, about how you know it doesn't matter if they have a good rush. You can do things. And he's exactly right. Their, their, their strength is that up front for defense for the Redskins. Great. Use it against them. Counters, screens, draws. Perfect thing. Little those little, little smoke plays that Adam talks about. That'll mm-hmm. work perfectly this week against that fierce rush of the Redskins. Awesome. A reminder, all three of us are going to be on WIP Saturday, as we always are, from 3 to 4 o'clock. Ozzy will join us with his Ozzy's observations as usual. We'll continue to break down the Eagles game against Washington and talk about any more developments throughout the, league, uh, throughout the week. So a reminder, that's WIP, 3 to 4 o'clock, uh, Inside the Birds Radio. That's going to do it for this Inside the Birds podcast. Again, presented by Defend Your Head, makers of the ProTech Helmet Safety Shell. Remember to check them out at DefendYourHead.com. I want to thank the listeners. I want to thank Go Birds Network. And we'll talk to you all next week.